You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. spread his wings on the blast, and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed, and the eyes of the sleepers waxed deadly and chill, and their hearts but once heaved, and forever grew still. As part of a Lord Byron poem, first published in 1815, you can feel the power in every word. It's also one of the most kick-ass back tattoos ever conceived, worn by one Pam Poovey, former HR for the clandestine ISIS agency, drift car racer, bare-knuckle fighter turned cocaine-addicted drug and gun runner. If you're a fan of the animated series Archer, you'll even know how many kills she has tattooed above the poem. Pam is just one of a large cast of characters that is so completely fleshed out that despite their zany antics, you think them real. The writing is so solid that you never once question a character's motivations. It always works. Archer just wrapped up its fifth season. It premiered in January of 2010 and has since become a favorite of many. Created, written, and directed by Adam Reed, the series proves there's an audience for such an intelligent, clever, risky animated series. Archer has been picked up for both the sixth and seventh season, each consisting of 13 episodes. The fifth season, which just ended, took a dramatic turn from the tried-and-true espionage formula, rebranding itself as Archer Vice, complete with Miami Vice-style action and wild plots. Reed said that they will be returning to ISIS for the sixth season. However, part of me wishes they'd kept up with Vice for another season. What do you think? I'm actually uh, don't agree with that. I mean, I really appreciate what they did with Vice. I think it was a cool idea to just do one single season long storyline and seeing just how crazy this group of idiots <laughs> can go with one with one objective but i mean as much as i enjoyed vice i actually really like the the smaller self-contained episodes a little better it's a little wackier it's a little more fun really i see i actually fell in love with vice right from the get go and and that's saying a lot because I adore the first four seasons. I mean, I am I have watched them over and over again. I've last few days I've still been sick since the beginning of the week, so I've been watching actually the first two seasons. I had like marathons of just watching <laughs> the first couple of seasons, and it's one of those shows that no matter how many times I watch the reruns. I still laugh. Oh, absolutely. All the time. And so I again I adore that Cold War-esque espionage formula that they were using before, but there was something about Vice, not just in how stylistic it was, in how clever the writing was, which is on par with the rest of the seasons, but there was just something about how absolutely insane it got which is saying a lot when you consider this as archer i mean that's 
<laughs> the whole formula is just how insane can we make this? But I don't know. There was something about Vice that just hooked me in. And especially the twist that it brought for some of the characters as well. Like especially Pam. Pam is just... <laughs> Pam steals every freaking scene she's in. <laughs> Normally she's she's phenomenal. But in this season, it's just every scene she's in... In my opinion, she steals. Uh, normally, I'd agree, but by the end of the season, it started to wear a little thin for me. Really? With Pam. Yeah. Okay. Same with Cheryl. Like, the two of them, it was just like, they, they had that one gimmick that just carried through the full season, and, and it, it just kind of wore out its welcome for me. Ah, well, that's, okay. Well, everybody's different in how they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. So, for those who have not been following it um, this season, they're... We're going to spoil a whole bunch of stuff and just deal with it. So, <laughs> um, season five, of course, is where ISIS was disbanded by the government. ISIS, of course, being the International Secret Intelligence Service that's run by um, Mallory Archer, who is Sterling Archer's mother. And so they found out that it was being disbanded. And then from there, there was a vault of cocaine that they had stored from various missions they'd been on. And they decided that they were going to go into the drug running cartel, which I, again, you know, you're taking chances with your show when (laughs) it's, 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 it's bad enough that your normal illegal agency that you're running, spying on people and just, point blank murder at points but now you're going into drug running and then eventually the counterfeit money as well let's not forget the arms dealing yeah they 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 took this this concept of you know we're gonna put these people that you love in situations where they would traditionally be seen as the bad people in a show but you're rooting for them (laughs) you're actually hoping that you know the deal doesn't go that bad for them And every ridiculous, like I said, with each episode, it just got crazier and crazier and more ridiculous. And yet it was still a logical progression for these characters. Like, of course they would decide to do that. Yeah. 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 When they decide decide they're going to go, they get, they sell the, a whole bunch of cocaine and they get the counterfeit bills and they decide, well, we'll just go into counterfeit bills now and get rid of those. Or we'll go into, to the weapons when they wind up getting the, uh, the, the the weapons it just it makes sense to especially when you're looking at Mallory in the lead who has no scruples whatsoever so of course yeah we'll we'll just sell them we'll make some money we'll sell them back to the CIA <laughs> <laughs> and then the characters that were introduced in this season were great as well and including including Christian Slater's character that I love. <laughs> He's just awesome. I love Christian Slater. We need to see more of him in this. Um, and the the one thing that it it worked and it was it added some some clever scenes, but the whole Lana being pregnant, which was the the whole point of the season, it ended with the baby. Um, that was the only I don't want to say downside. But that's it slowed down the story whenever it came in kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. It it kind of took Lana out of the rotation. And, you know, it's great when you have the team up with Archer and Cyril and Roy. Ray? Ray. Ray. But taking Lana out of the uh, the regular mix 
kind of messes with the formula. Yeah. It, it it adds too much normalcy to a series that's based on insanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what held it up. And in, and when you're looking at the end where she's telling him that it's his baby, Archer's baby kind of thing, then you're seeing okay, they're 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 building on like the 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 we Seamus thing from which I love <laughs> stuff from like the second season. And and you can think about scenes that are going to involve the baby, same as with little Seamus when he's got the razor, the straight razor in his hand and he's sitting down. <laughs> it's time for Archer to get another tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, I can see the scenes that are going to be a lot of fun with the baby in season six obviously so it's going to be good it's just that i found for this season it was the one thing that slowed it down of course it did lead to episodes like the baby shower (laughs) with kenny Loggins, which was probably my favorite single episode this season because of kenny (laughs) i love that they can bring in people too and these actors must have an absolute blast when they're told okay you're gonna be yourself but (laughs) you're also going to be a uranium (laughs) <laughs> you know, or, or whatever the hell was in that case runner. So there it's, yeah, the, the baby shower was absolutely fantastic. And it's the one time I didn't hate Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> when she's telling him the different keys and how to sing his own song. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, we're not fans of country music. We're, we're not. We've we've taught the kids from a young age that if someone asks you what country music does, they answer it rots the brain. That said, it worked so bloody well in every scene, hearing that country music running in the background and her singing whenever there's this insanity going on on the screen. It just worked. And I, I freaking loved it. <laughs> but again, for me, it took a character in Cheryl who was just you know wild and you know off the off the radar from episode to episode like you never knew what you were going to get out of her and it made her a little too simplistic like you you always knew what cheryl was going to be doing in each episode yeah i guess to a certain degree yeah of course she was still you know wanting to be abducted in the trailer (laughs) so she's still charlene you know it was it was not that far from what she normally is but yeah i will agree it's funny going back and watching the first few seasons because it's been a little while now since i've i've watched them again and so it's funny going back and seeing the characters as they originally were because there's quite a big transition like especially with pam when you're seeing her in the early episodes she's the head of HR and with her little dolphin puppet, which is hysterical. And, uh, and so it didn't take long before Reed turned her into this insane character, but which we especially got to see in season five, but she was, she was still far more reserved in those that, in that first season at least. Well, a lot of the supporting cast was, you didn't see much of Ray, at Krieger, who was my favorite character, didn't get much of anything until season two. So, like that first season, it, it it's it was really focused around Archer, Lana, and uh, Mallory, and it wasn't until the second season where they went, okay, now let's really start fleshing out the rest of the supporting cast. Yeah, yeah, and and I love the stuff that they did with Pam in the fifth season, like with with the Yakuza, 
and you find out that she was a drift racer for them, (laughs) (laughs) which is freaking awesome. That's actually one of my favorite episodes of this season, too. We, uh, George Takai was actually Mr. Moto in that, which was great. He actually has been on a couple of times. I thought that was great. And then other guest stars, too, that have been on over the years. Like, we got Burt Reynolds, of course, was on. The Burt Reynolds episode is is legendary. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Because that's a running theme in the show, too, which, again, having rewatched those first couple of seasons, you you see that freaking Burt Reynolds is his hero all the time. It's That's another thing, and I know that you like that, too, because we joke about the phrasing thing all the time. But the show is so cleverly written, like, really so well written, that not only does everybody have their quote-unquote voice and they stay true to that, but you have the characters that are insanely clever in their dialogue options. And Archer, for all of his, you know, stupidity, is still actually an intelligent person. And some of the facts or some of the lines that he comes out with are so freaking hilarious. And and to me, that is one of the things that endears me to the show the most. Yeah, how there's so many recurring gags but it's not like you would see in a sitcom where it's just setting up the same punchline over and over again it continues building on itself and is that each character has their own unique like with archer you have his bizarre knowledge of science and scientific history you know (laughs) but yeah his his savant like ability to count bullets (laughs) you know the recurring stuff with the tinnitus and like there's so many different recurring gags that pop up over and over again and it never gets tired because it's always done in a different way the tinnitus thing kills me because i actually have that i i have tinnitus and, and partially the 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 painkillers that i take don't help because they, they actually increase that and so i have this ringing in my ears all the time when they introduced that into the show initially i freaking howled i thought it was hysterical because <laughs> not just because i you know to a certain degree i can relate but i thought it was funny because how many shows do you watch on TV where guns are blaring everywhere? Everybody's shooting something. Nobody ever says, what? What do you say? <laughs> and it's all all right. And here you have it where they explain, like, that's loud. It <laughs> hurts. And, and again, rewatching the first couple of seasons, you see where it started with Lana shooting right beside his head. And I thought, oh, my God, it's freaking hysterical. One of the other things that I really like that's a running gag throughout the show is that you never really know the the era in which this show takes place. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's using computers that look like they're out of the 60s or 70s, complete with a phone on it, on the side kind of thing. (laughs) The cell phones they use or the wireless look like they're right out of the 80s, these massive brick things that you could assault someone with. There's the... The fact that they still refer to the Soviet Union, uh, Castro, and it's like the Cold War never actually ended. And then there's this mixed mash of technology to the point where you've got like the reel-to-reel tape in the server rooms, and and yet they still use also current type of cell phones. And it gives the Adam a lot of freedom in terms of the writing to be able to pick and choose what they want. That's something that they actually made reference to. They can, you know, pick and choose the best of every decade, but it's, 
it's something that if you're watching out for, actually makes it a lot more fun to pick out the things that just don't fit at all <laughs> in any kind of, those things wouldn't be together in that era. Yeah, it's like, what if all your favorite James Bond movies all happened at the same time, yeah. basically? And it, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> you have, you know, he said one episode where they're dealing with the Soviet Union, and then a couple episodes later, they're up in space with lasers. Yeah. <laughs> you name it. And it all fits because there really is no precedent that they've set. They, right off the bat, you can do whatever the heck you want. And yeah, and again, that's something that it wouldn't necessarily work for just anyone but for this show i think that the show would suffer if it was set in a specific time frame because now they can when they're doing their espionage thing and they take off to like a country that no longer exists or whatever and they can really play around and again like they said cherry pick the best and easiest from several decades so it it works (laughs) The other thing, too, this season that I noticed, I don't know if you noticed it as much. I I love the art style for this show. I really, really love it. It's, uh, I didn't realize it took that long for them to create each episode. Each episode takes a couple of months to create. So, I mean, a traditionally animated show, they can knock out in no time, but this thing, man. It takes a while, yeah. And what they've said is that it's kind of like a 1960s comic book come to life. That was uh, Chad Hurd who said that. I noticed that with this season more than the other, the, for lack of a better term, realistic backdrop, as opposed to the characters, looked a lot more realistic than the other seasons. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that as well? I wouldn't say I noticed it, but it, I, I, it has to be expected that just over time, you know, their technology would get a little better. I preferred it before, though. I I did like when you well, look. It'll be interesting to see if they maybe revert back yeah. to season six. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, it might have been something just because of the vice thing that they did. But I noticed that again with the any of the scenes that don't involve the characters or that acts as the backdrop for the characters. I thought it was actually too refined. It looked too good in comparison to what they did in the past. Hmm. So, and I really much preferred that way simpler manner of animating the show that they used to do, which I mean, it's, it's, it it was great to see the mansion being blown up and things like that (laughs) and seeing the, uh, the, again, the, the rockets being fired and the different things. So yeah, it looked great and he had some great scenes. The, uh, the, the scenes with the, the, um, was it smoking the bandit stuff that they were doing? Yeah. Yes, they were justifiably fantastic. So it was cool seeing those different kind of technologies coming into play. But I still preferred the simpler style of backdrop that they used before. See, I think that's the the overall theme and feeling I have with season five specifically was it was great, but it was more of a big picture. You know, it was the overall story, the overall look and feel in exchange for, you know, the, the, the small character driven stuff. Like the story was bigger, the story was better, but a lot of the smaller stuff, I don't want to say suffered, but it wasn't quite as much of a focus. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know that. Okay. Maybe, I think I, I get what you're saying. I think like essentially what 
the the smaller character driven stories were replaced by the overarching story of the drug running mm-hmm. and the and that's what you mean and yeah yeah that is true but i was all right with that because you still within that got a lot of still character development with the characters and you got to see them um being absolute insane bastards throughout so it still for me was was enjoyable and i still I still right. no, love I, that. I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying yeah. I didn't like it. It's just, but in comparison, like you're saying, with also the art style, the art style was a little bigger, a little more actiony, and in exchange for the simplicity that you preferred from the previous yeah, seasons. Yeah, yeah. That said, though, just how beautifully, brilliantly they tied in the art style just for season five with that Miami Vice thing, to me, was just like when you saw all of the preview stuff in the first episode. When when I watched episode one, immediately after it was released, of course, <laughs> and saw what was what we could expect with this season. And it's got the that country music in the background while there's insanity going on on the screen. And then you get that vice and then it's blown off the screen. It was like, oh my God, what are we in for this season? I, I seriously cannot freaking wait. I wanted them to go a little farther with it though. Because, oh, come on. Know, I, <laughs> I, I live in South Florida, of course. And, you know, Miami Vice and, and all that, you know, iconography is very well known to me. So I would have loved to have seen Archer show up with, you know, the, the bright colored suit with the sleeves yeah. rolled up. And, you know, so some of that iconography could have, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not upset it wasn't there, but I would have loved it so much more if it was. I definitely won't disagree with you with that. Yeah, I it's yeah, I was the actually Ferraris di- down South yep. Beach. Come on, this is something that they had to do for at least one episode. I was and actually even took an episode to Miami, and, and they didn't do it. Well, the thing too is that I was actually disappointed that they stayed in New York, mm-hmm. like they stayed at Cheryl's Manor, and and again it made sense, but they could have just have easily made it so that it was a, a manor or an estate or something in, in Miami. You're telling me the Tunts don't own a nightclub on yeah, South exactly. Beach? Yeah, exactly. So they could have had a lot more fun with that. And again, it made sense with a lot of the other stories in in New York, in the, yeah. especially with the Yakuza stuff that was happening. But I think that they should have split up a little bit more. I mean, they were already traveling all around the world. It's not a big deal for them to bounce back and forth between New York and Miami. So no, I completely agree with you. And that's what, when they initially show what was coming, I thought, okay, we're going to get a lot of that. And we didn't, which was a little disappointing. I had initially built up this vision in my head immediately that they had no hope of meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, and this is going back again to, I'm, I wish that it actually would have lasted at least one more season. I don't want to say too much more than that because I do miss the espionage formula because it's we don't get enough of that and we don't hell we don't get enough intelligently written you know real life espionage thrillers so to get something like this that's off the wall but still so well written is I is mandatory I I need that in my life <laughs> but I was so digging this storyline and especially because again i remember miami vice when it came out and just how big it was and i was the perfect age for it that you know i watched it every single week and you know the the wearing the pink shirt to school kind of thing and and all of that jazz so i was 
I remember that time so well, and it's embarrassing in a lot of ways, but 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 it was there. And so when I saw this, everything like, that happened in the eighties oh, is yeah. embarrassing oh. when you look back on it, especially if you were a teen in the eighties. But uh, but yeah, so I looked at this and I thought, oh, this is this is what I need now. This is going to be great, and the writing was so strong, and that's why I thought, oh, I wish it would have given me another season. Now that said, though, the fact that they did that opens up the floodgates for what they can do in future seasons. So maybe six does in fact return back to the, the ISIS days, but who knows what's in store for seven or further than that. I sure as hell hope they keep going beyond that because I I can understand the 13 episodes for per season is because of how long it takes, but my God, it's 13 is just not enough. (laughs) When you're watching these season, it's like, Oh my God, I just, Again, I could watch it a lot more than that. And I have to appreciate the the courage it takes to just completely throw your f- successful format out the window. Like it's not like Archer was struggling. <laughs> this is something they did willingly just for the fun, fun of, it. of it. And I, I mean, I really appreciate what what happened there. So, but again, I'm I'm happy it's going back to its roots. Okay, let's go back over some of those old episodes then, and see what some of your favorites are. So we'll start off with you. Uh, let's see. Going back to the first season, my my favorite one there was uh, the uh, the airship episode. <laughs> because, again, just how ludicrous it was. But it's also really the first episode where a lot of the team was involved. You know, you had Pam and Cheryl stow away on the ship and, you know, you finally had Ray. You know, that, I think that was the first Ray episode with the stuff with him and Archer over the phone with the bomb diffusing. Yes. <laughs> that that was that was the episode that cemented the series for me. Yeah, the um, and that stowing away became the running gag too, to the point mm-hmm. where they stow away to space, kind of thing. And I think that was also the first episode that established the false threats Mallory is willing to set up to get free stuff. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, from the first season, I also liked a lot the training day, which is the second episode, actually. And that's where um, Archer is training Cyril to be mm-hmm. a, an agent. And you have the whole thing with the dead hooker that they put. And, <laughs> and to me, that was the moment that you're like, oh, my God, this is Grand Theft Auto 3, <laughs> but in an animated series. And it's just how casually because again you're you're fairly new to the show at this point it's only the second episode and yeah the first one was insane but they're stowing a dead hooker in and i like that she's a call girl when she's alive but when she's dead she's a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> rolling her up into a carpet to put into the into the trunk of his car i again it was one of mine that I remember back in the day, and then I watched it again over the last few days, and it was like, yep, it still holds up, and it was friggin' hysterical. How about the Rampage episode? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love the – and this is where and, – and it proved it again because I just watched that one yesterday, as a matter of fact, I believe it was. Um, that final scene – where you see him with the bandana on and he asks whatever his name was. I can't remember the name of the bad guy. If he'd watched Regis that morning. And then just the scene where he turns around slowly and shoots him and the look in his eyes. And then it rewinds and plays a few times again. And then you realize he's just watching the the video, but 
the style of that one scene when you're watching it for the first time, not knowing that again, it's just, he's playing back the tape, but you're watching it and then you're seeing it in slow motion. You're struck by how powerfully animated it was just that one little scene. And I freaking loved it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love the, um, when Pam is kidnapped <laughs> and they, they, they mistake her for, for Carol and kidnapped and like, they're not sure how much they want to give for her. And that's when you first see just how much of a badass that she is as well. But, and that's when you see for the first time, the tattoo on her back when she's going after Mallory at the end, but, but the fact that Mallory only wants to give five grand for her. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh sorry your turn wait you got another one well uh season three was like the highlight of the show for me because you, you started off with that huge three-parter with the pirates but what made that so brilliant for me was uh the the new character they introduced uh rip riley because of course since it's voiced by patrick warburton i just kept envisioning it as brock Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Patrick Warburton shows up as like a special operative, he's instantly the most op- awesome person around for me now. <laughs> well, see, I always picture him from the um, the Disney one, the uh, as Kronk. Yeah. So whenever I hear his voice, it's there. It's Kronk. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also you know showing the the larger form stories that would eventually become you yeah. know, what we see in season five. Well, not just season five. We saw that in a lot of other... Hell, even at the end of that season is where they have the space... uh, Yeah. The space race, it was called. So, and so, yeah, you got to see how they can really tie in a theme, a storyline over multiple episodes. The the third season also had one of my favorites as well, which was the the drift problem, which is Mm -hmm. the... uh, with the car, the spy car, when it's stolen. And that's when we got Takai, George Takai in as Mr. Moto for the first time. And I thought that was freaking brilliant. <laughs> and we, we already covered the, the Burt Reynolds one, but also, again, season three, the Italian prime minister in Mallory's apartment. Yes. <laughs> Just so stupid, so ludicrous. But you know, eventually you had the entire cast all there. It, it's just, it was something that was so dumb it was brilliant <laughs> well that that was the space race too which that i love those as well the part one and two <laughs> i love that they go to the danger zone which is running <laughs> gag as well. <laughs> having kenny Loggins in season five was the epitome of that running gag that was just and the fact that they got him for it i just i think that's fantastic but that whole thing of again the i keep thinking of of uh of supernatural. Do you do you watch Supernatural at all? I do not. Okay. It's it's so over the top, it's unbelievable. And there was one season, I can't remember what season, but it, it had to be far enough in, either 5 or or maybe even 6. And it was at the outtakes at the end. And one of the characters um is talking to a group of people and he's saying, "It's not jumping over the shark if you never land." And that's I, the best line I've ever heard for that series. And it applies to this one as well, because it's always like this. So the fact that they all go to space actually makes sense in the context of what is happening here. And you don't even question it. Mm-hmm. 
So, all right. Do you have any others before we close out? Yeah. The um, one I really appreciated was uh, the first episode of season four. And when Archer's like, you know, gone into like a fugue state and lost part of his memory. And the episode starts off with him at Bob's, Bob's Burgers. Burgers. Because, of course, he's the same voice actor. And I love Bob's Burgers. You know what? I actually have never watched it. I keep hearing from people who love it, but I have actually never watched it. It's it's a very acquired taste. Like It's a lot of, like, complete ludicrousness mixed with a very dry sense of humor. Like, it took a few – it took a while for me to come around to it, but I, I love it. And the, just having the crossover between the two series was hilarious yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Any others? I think that'll, that'll, that, that's, that'll that's enough. <laughs> so if you haven't watched the show, as you can obviously tell, we are huge fans. They just wrapped up season five. I would personally strongly urge you to go back and watch them all. The first four seasons are on Netflix, so you can get them easily and watch them. Do not watch this with your kids <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's not meant for a young audience, but... For adults to watch, it is freaking brilliant and worth watching. And that's an interesting thing to point out because a lot of the subject matter and the humor that's in Archer is stuff that in so many other settings, you know, with our comics podcast and other movies, we can't stand. But we never say that there's not a place for it. And Archer is the place yeah. for it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It, it is. It's it's. It's almost a guilty pleasure, but I don't feel guilty about it. No, not <laughs> it at all. It's ridiculous. It's rude. It takes political correctness and flips it on its head. And by making light of different attitudes, different comments, different things, it does not shy away at all from saying things that would make other people kind of gasp a little. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> but it's done in such a way that it's, it's not... It's clever enough that it is bringing light to different social issues even, and it all done within an animated series, which mm -hmm. speaks volumes of the writing again. So make sure to check it out. Like I said, it is on Netflix, and the fifth season, I'm assuming, will be up on Netflix soon enough as it just ended. Definitely worth watching. And you can check out our show notes at popcornronin.com. Of course, leave us your comments what you thought about the series, and let us know if there's anything else you'd like us to check out. With that, we will talk to you next episode. TV and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Mm -hmm.